welcome welcome to cook look i am rosemary goddle i am your host and i'm looking through my whole cookbook collection and i am bringing you all along with me yes so this book that we're going through today is volume six contemporary cooking so let's talk about it firstly i'm gonna talk about the cover of the book then I am going to go through every chapter of the book and talk about how it's laid out. And then at the end, I'll give you recipe highlights. I know the format has changed, <laughs> but I feel like this is how I should do this book, do the series from now on. This is how we're going to go. We're going to go through the cover. We're going to go through table of contents like we have in the previous episodes. And we're also going to go through every chapter in its intro, its layout of the chapter. And then at the end of, at the close to the end of the pod episode, I'll give some recipe highlights. And then I do my gratuitous self-promotion and then we'll end there. So... That's the plan. <laughs> That's the plan. There was no plan before, but Rosemary, the person who tends to plan things, didn't plan anything until this episode. I am so pathetic. <laughs> anyway, let's look at the cover of this book, Volume 6, Contemporary Cooking. And I gotta say, the foods that they have on the cover look ravishing. They look delicious. I want to go on this cover and grab something out of the book and just eat it. It looks so good. <laughs> it looks so good. So one dish that they put on here is some meat dish with tomatoes and onion, what appears to be onion on the side. In the background, it looks like a delicious salad and then some grapes for aesthetic purposes. You know, I don't get it. Like, food artists, like, put random foods in the background just for aesthetic. They're not, like, the main star of the photo. I don't know. It must be a food stylist thing. And on the cover as well, there's some strawberries with some cream. Looks delicious. And on the right of that, there's some pepper. But the main star of the photo is... A rice dish, which I have no idea what it is, but it looks so good. So delicious. Then we look at the back cover, and on the back, it basically says what the sections of the book are. Egg cookery 2, roasting meats, rice, fruit desserts, and a Greek feast. And the Greek feast is what is pictured on the back of the cover of this book. And this Greek feast looks like some sort of meat, a bunch of eggs, a bunch of lemon, a lot of leafy greens, some ouzo. It's a Greek heaven. I think my big fat Greek wedding would look at this picture and be like, yo, I can hit that. <laughs> anyway, that is the cover of the book. So that is check mark. Cha-ching, ching, already done. Now we are on the table of contents and for the table of contents they have it all in parts. I also forgot to mention the 
copyright stuff. This book came out in 1983, and there's another edition from 1985. At least I think it's another edition. And here we go, table of contents. Part one is egg cookery. Two focuses on appetizers, soups, eggs, cheeses, and sauces. Part two is roasting meats, poultry, meat, fish, and seafood. Part three are breads, grains, pasta, fruits, and vegetables, and they just label it as rice. And then we got fruit dessert, which focuses on desserts, cakes, cookies, and pastries. And then the entertaining chapter, which is about the Greek feast that is pictured on the back of the book. And of course, you got your index. I mean, that's to be expected from a cookbook. And we turn the page and see the intro of Egg Cookery 2. And I am not going to read all of this. But I am just going to read a paragraph of it so you'll have, like, an idea of what they're trying to do here. Fried eggs served up with bacon, sausages, or ham, a side dish of home fries, grits, some toast, perhaps a muffin, have been for many years and still remain among the most popular breakfast foods in America. One could venture a guess that more eggs are fried each morning of the year in every coffee shop and luncheonette, in every roadside diner and greasy spoon, than are prepared in any other way. To fry an egg, one might conclude, must be simplicity itself. Almost every summer, we get to watch a sweaty news reporter fry an egg right on the sidewalk to show us how hot it is. <laughs> Basically, we're gonna cook eggs. <laughs> that is what... This intro is saying, yep, this 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 chapter is all about the eggs. They're just setting the scene. It's eggs galore. Reporters being frying eggs on the sidewalk. <laughs> Every diner is frying those eggs for their patrons. You wake up in the morning after your morning coffee, frying up an egg. Get that protein in. You're everywhere. Eggs are everywhere. That is the point that I got from this paragraph. And of course, I didn't read the whole intro because it is literally two pages long. And I know that you guys have precious, precious time on your hands. Life is too short to listen to long intros of cookbooks. Alrighty. So on page four, they talk about fried, shired, and baked eggs. Visual learners, you'll love this book. For... All of the recipes that pertain to showing you how to do basic things, like how to fry an egg sunny side up, to deep fry an egg, to shire an egg, to put an egg in a in a dish with cream in it. Talk, it talks about that, and but it has pictures and step by step instructions on how to do it. Amazing, amazing. Every chapter has that they give you basic cookery of that thing and they have pictures godsend godsend as a visual learner godsend now we're on part two which is roasting meats and with roasting meats we'll, we'll just read the first paragraph 
For the Stone Age man, without means of preserving meat, the roast, that is to say, a slaughtered animal or any significant joint thereof, cooked, however crudely, over an open fire, represented a miraculous triumph over the almost constant reality of near starvation. If it was a tribute to the manly skills of hunting and to the gods who made it out of such successes, it was also an apt reflection of man's social nature. Animals of large size were considerably, considerably easier prey for men hunting cooperatively, and a hunting abundant but perishable food supply could only have been consumed efficiently by a group that had achieved at the least a rudimentary talent for sharing. In other words, meat is in our nature. That's, I just summarized that in one sentence. I am not saying that you need meat to survive. There are plenty of nutritious vegetarian and vegan diets. So vegetarians, vegans, don't, don't, don't be offended, okay? Don't be offended. They don't know. They're ignorant to the cause. They don't know. I'm, I'm on your team. I may not be vegan or vegetarian, but I'm in the process of transitioning to at least a lacto-ovo vegetarian. Alrighty. So, for... They do have tips on how to choose meat. They have tips on how to store meat properly and preparing meat for roasting. And they do have step-by-step -step instructions on how to roast beef ribs and how to carve said ribs. And there's two methods of that. And also how to carve a loin of veal. Yeah, I think that's pronounced veal. And they also have oven temperatures for different types of ribs and roasts, which range from 325 degrees to 450 degrees. And it tells you um, how many minutes to have to do per round, whether you want rare, medium, well done meat. And they also have roasting veil temperatures as well. And they also have tips on carving shoulder of pork and how to roast pork and parts of the pork and how many minutes to bake per round of pork. And there's how to roast lamb, how to carve roast leg of lamb. And then they move on to the meat recipes in this book after that. So now we're going to go on to the next section of the book. Now we're on part three, which is rice. So I'm just going to read the first paragraph. Like I said, the introductions on each of these sections are really long. So I'm only going to read the first paragraph to give you a feel. The word rice comes from the Greek orzia, which probably goes back to Persian and Sanskrit stems. The Western travels of the grain itself parallel those of its name. The armies of Alexander the Great found rice being cultivated in northwest India. Eventually, it's made its way to Persia 
and during the spread of Islam was carried to other parts of the Muslim Caliphate. The Moors carried rice and rice cultivation to Spain. From there, it reached the marshes of the Po River Valley in northern Italy. Like many other foods of Oriental origin, it was taken to England and northern Europe during the Crusades as something of luxury and continued to be imported. It could not be profitably grown in those otherwise fertile climates until the colonization of the New World. So basically, it gave us a history lesson on the origin of rice and how it spread. And spread it did. And I'm glad it spread because I love rice. I love me some rice. Next, it teaches you pictures visually step-by-step step on how to boil and bake rice and how to steam rice. And guess what, guys? You don't need a rice cooker. You just have to use a regular large saucepan and a lid. Amazing. We love multitaskers. <laughs> then they have how to mold rice when you want to mold rice for any reason to make your rice dishes look pretty. And they have a basic, basic recipe of fried rice with chicken and mushrooms. And they show you how to cook that step by step as well with pitchers. And they show you how to make a risotto, which... They have pictures of step by step and how to make a pilaf step by step with pictures and they also have ingredients as well. And also some lamb and apricot polo. And then they move on to the rest of the rice recipes which they don't have a step by step instruction for in pictures. It's all in words from there on out. Now we're on part four, which are fruit desserts. And I am going to read the quote that they put on the fruit desserts intro, plus the paragraph that they included with it. Like I said, I'm only going to read the first paragraph. Little apples, when God had made oak trees in the beaches and the pines, in the flowers and the grasses, in the tendrils and the vines. He saw that there was wanting a something in his plan, and he made the little apples, the little cider apples, the sharp sour cider apples, to prove his love for man. This was quoted by Anonymous. The very first fruit dessert was surely fruit, a crisp red apple fallen from a tree, or else a very sweet and juicy fig, a luscious peach, a fragrant apricot, a gift from nature to satisfy our yin for sweets. From the first bite Eve took of the forbidden apple, fruit played an important role in history, mythology, religion, folklore, magic, medicine, and cuisine. The apple seems to play a leading role, perhaps because symbolically and even linguistically, it represents all fruits. Most probably the famous golden apples that brought about the Trojan War were really oranges or lemons. Fruit talk. 
and the intro for that goes on from there. Now it teaches you how to puree fruit, which looks like you'll need an electric blender for that, but they have step-by-step -step instructions on how to do it with pitchers, and they teach you how to combine purees with creams, how to saute and flambe some fruit, and shallow frying or sauteing fruits, also how to broil fruits and stewing fruits, like those are the ones with the pitchers, poaching fruits, how to make simple syrup, which is basically a combination of sugar and water. It's a syrup, obviously, thickens into a syrup. You pour it on fruits, you pour it on basically whatever, <laughs> but it's mostly used for fruits and candies and stuff like that. And they talk about best methods for stewing and poaching fruits, and they have lists of fruits and how long it takes to stew on a stove or poach on a stove and how long it takes for them to stew and poach in an oven. Very handy stuff if you like stewed and poached fruits. And then from here, they discuss recipes in this chapter that look so good, by the way. Like, this looks like something you would get from a fancy restaurant, I must say, it's legit. Like, my god. Now we're on part five, which is the Greek feast, yeah, which is the entertainment chapter of the book, therefore the last chapter, and this is what the par one paragraph of the introduction of this chapter says. There's a quote, and I'm going to read the paragraph as well. The music, and the banquet, and the wine, the garlands, the rose odors, and the flowers, the sparkling eyes, and flashing ornaments. This was quoted by Byron. There are as many reasons and occasions for a feast as there are days in a year. Aside from national and religious holidays, there are more intimate family events that call for recognition and celebration. A birthday, graduation, anniversary, a golichi, an honor, or a prize bestowed. Perhaps the best reason of all to plan a feast is to rejoice in the reunion of family and friends, to welcome home, to revel and enjoy the pleasure of each other's company, aka party time. <laughs> Which, during the pandemic, we can't really do because we don't want to spread like a deadly disease. <laughs> All right, here is the cool part about the entertainment chapter. So this Greek feast serves 10 to 12 people, and it lists the dishes that are going to be fixed for this small gathering. Best part is it also gives you a shopping list. That's right, a shopping list of what to get for this. Honey. If you are a host or hostess, like, this is the book for you, man. Because they have a whole list of what to get from the market, from the grocery store. And then on, after that, 
they have a bunch of recipes that pertain to the Greek party thing. They have some wraps, some salads, fruits. It, it's, it's a, it, oh, it's something. I am, they have like an awesome, an awesome picture on page 110 of all the stuff they made for the Greek feast. And oh my god, it looks divine. I would dig into this. It looks beautiful. And then we're on the index. So that is all the sections of the book. And now what you guys been waiting for are the recipe highlights. Yes, the recipes that interested me in this book. And I'll be right back with that. Alright, my beautiful listeners, now we are on the recipe highlights for Contemporary Cooking Volume 6, and here are the recipes that I decided to highlight in this book. So, I'm gonna go on page 8, and the recipe I'm highlighting here is the shired eggs with prosciutto and cheese. All right, lock in. You guys can slow down the pod if you need to, pause if you need to, fast forward if you need to, because if you want to learn this recipe, you need to lock in. All right, ingredients. Makes four portions. The ingredients you need are two teaspoons of butter, four thin slices of prosciutto or other ham, four ounces of mozzarella cheese, four large eggs, and salt and pepper. Here we go. It is instruction time. Yes, preheat oven to 350 degrees. Using one teaspoon of butter, Lightly coat a shallow, oven-proof dish that will hold four raw eggs in one layer. Fold them if they are large, but do not overlap them. Cut the cheese into thin slices and cover the ham with the cheese. Break one egg carefully over each cheese and ham stack, keeping the yolks well separated. Season the eggs lightly with salt and pepper. Top each egg with a bit of the remaining butter. Bake for 12 minutes until eggs are just set. Serve very hot from the dish. And it looks like the dish that they have used was like a very small dish. You could think of it as like a ramekin in a way. It it. It's round as a ramekin, but it doesn't have, like, the feathered out edges like a ramekin does. It's smoother than that. And you can find that at your restaurant supply store, or you can go on the internet and just look up some oven-safe, shallow dishes that would fit a smaller thing like this. 
on page 9, we got another recipe highlight, which also serves four portions. It's called eggs and brioches. That's that fancy bread. And I have never had it before because I am a cheapskate. But I'm sure there might be like an affordable brioche at Kroger somewhere in the bakery section. I haven't really looked, but I should. So what you'll need are four brioche soft rolls. It says four brioches or soft ro rolls, I should say. Four large eggs, salt and pepper, and butter. Here we go. It is instruction time. Follow along, listen along, do what you need to do. Preheat oven to 375 degrees. Remove the tops of the brioches or rolls and set aside. Use a spoon and remove about two tablespoons dough from the center of each roll to make a hole for one egg. Be careful not to break the sides of the rolls. Place rolls on a baking sheet and carefully drop an egg into each one. Season the eggs with salt and pepper. Top each egg with a small piece of butter. Replace the tops of the brioches or rolls. Bake in the oven for about eight minutes or just until it, you have to do this until the egg whites have set. And looking at the picture of this one, it looks delicious. It's, it's like a bread bowl. <laughs> it's like, it's a mini bread bowl, but you put an egg in it instead of like soup. It looks like a great breakfast or brunch dish. Now I'm gonna go on page 38. This is a meat recipe that I found pretty delicious. I haven't tried it yet. There's no picture for it. So I don't know what it would visually look like, but I would say it probably would taste good. The instructions on this one are longer, so I'm gonna try my best to slow down a bit and this recipe is Chinese roast pork, and it serves four. So there's recipe for the marinade and also for the pork itself. You'll need one and a half tablespoons of soy sauce, one tablespoon of hoisin sauce, half teaspoon of salt, one and a half tablespoons of peanut oil, one tablespoon of soft brown sugar, two pork tenderloins, each about 12 ounces, one piece of fresh ginger root, about a half inch thick, two garlic cloves, four ounces of carrots, four ounces of cauliflower, five ounces of broccoli, six tablespoons of oil, one and a half teaspoons of salt, freshly ground black pepper, 
half teaspoon of chili powder, one teaspoon of sugar, five teaspoons of soy sauce, one and a half cups of chicken stock, one teaspoon of sesame oil, and one teaspoon of cornstarch. Y'all, this is just the ingredients. So imagine the instructions on this. But it, it just sounded so good. Like Chinese roast pork. I mean, come on. You can't go wrong with that. I will take a picture of the recipe anyway. This recipe will be on the Facebook and Twitter pages. I decided to not read this whole recipe because, like I said, it is a long recipe. And I know you guys, your time... Your times are valuable, okay? So I don't want to waste your time too much. So it's going to be on Facebook and Twitter. Chinese pork. It's going to be there. All right, moving on. Now we're on page 40. And luckily this one is way, way shorter. And this recipe is for mint sauce. And this mint sauce you could put on your meat. You could put on your vegetables that I know of, but I thought it interested me, so I decided to, you know what, I'm gonna share it, because why not? So this makes about a half cup of sauce. What you'll need are three tablespoons of minced fresh mint, one tablespoon of soft brown sugar, and a fourth cup of white wine vinegar. Here we go, it is instruction time. Put mint and sugar in a small saucepan. Add two tablespoons of boiling water and stir until the sugar is dissolved and the mint colors the water. Stir in the vinegar and set aside until cold. Make the sauce for about two hours before it is needed to allow all the flavor to develop. Serve with roast lamb. So this is mostly for roast lamb, but I'm sure you could probably use this for other meats if you were experimental enough. Alright, page 62, page 62. Uh-huh, here we go. Page 62, rice with four cheeses. And, in, and if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know your girl loves cheese. So when I saw this recipe, I was like... I, I want this. So here we go, makes about four servings. And here are the ingredients that you'll need. You'll need one cup of round grain. They recommend Arborio rice. Two cups of water. Three fourths tablespoon of salt. Three fourths cup of cubed ham or tongue. Half cup of cubed provolone cheese, half cup of cubed bell pice cheese, I have never heard of that before, but I'm probably going to look up any substitutions for that because that was like a fancy cheese and I have no idea what that is. Half cup cubed gruyere cheese, four tablespoons of unsalted butter, two ounces of parmesan cheese grated which is equivalent to half a cup. All right, here we go. Place rice, water, and salt in a large saucepan and cook rice until tender. 
The water should be absorbed. Mix cubed meat and cheeses in a bowl. Preheat oven to 400 degrees. Butter a six cup baking dish. Layer one third of the rice in the buttered dish and sprinkle with half of the meat and cheeses. Cut butter into small bits and sprinkle one third of the bits over the cheese layer. Repeat with another third of the rice and remaining meat and cheeses. Dot with another third of the butter and finish with the remaining rice. Dot the top with the last of the butter and sprinkle with the Parmesan cheese. Set the baking dish in a large pan and add water to reach halfway up the sides of the baking dish. Bake the casserole for 30 minutes until top is golden. Serve from the baking dish. That is the rice with four cheeses recipe. And the last recipe highlight is on page 65. And if you love seafood, if you love risotto, or if you just love rice in general and just love to have seafood in it, we got risotto with shrimps, which serve four to six. Here we go. What you'll need is one medium-sized onion, one garlic clove, one pound of small shrimps, half teaspoon of whole saffron, which I think the saffron should be optional because saffron is expensive as heck, four ounces of butter, two cups of round grain, aborio again, rice, half cup of dry white wine, five cups of chicken stock boiling, and two ounces of Parmesan cheese, half cup. All right, lock in because it is instruction time. Peel onion and cut into thin slices. Peel garlic and put through a press into the onion. Shell and devein the shrimps. Crush the saffron and soak it in one tablespoon of hot water. Melt six tablespoons of the butter in a large saucepan over moderate heat. Add onion and garlic and cook, stirring occasionally for five to seven minutes until onion is soft and translucent. Add rice to the pan and cook for five minutes, stirring with a wooden spatula to coat all the kernels with butter. Pour in the wine and about one-third of the boiling stock. Adjust heat so liquid is bubbling gently. When the liquid is absorbed, pour in another third of the stock. Continue with the last of the stock when that batch is absorbed. The rice should be tender and moist, but still firm. Stir in the shrimps and cook for two minutes. Stir in the saffron infusion. Remaining butter and the grated cheese. Leave overheat for one minute, gently stirring to mix ingredients. Transfer risotto to a warmed baking dish. And that is all of the highlight recipes that I wanted to talk about on 
Contemporary Cooking Volume 6. I also am going to look up the substitution on page 62 for that cheese in case you guys don't have that cheese because that looks like a fancy cheese and not all of us have the big bucks. So I'm going to look up the name of this cheese again. Beal Pice? Pace? P-A-E. S-E. Guys, I don't know. <laughs> oh man, okay. I'm gonna look at substitutes for that kind of cheese. Let's see. Ah, here we go. So here are some substitutes for this Bell Pice cheese. Here we go. There, you can use cheddar, mozzarella, parmesan, provolone, gouda, gruyere, and edam. So those are the cheeses that you can use to substitute for that. All right. That, that's, that's it. That's the podcast. And stick around to hear my spiel at the end. Also, please, please, please share this podcast with friends. I, I have a small audience and I want to make the audience a bit bigger. So if you know someone that is interested in cookbooks or just loves to cook and just wants to hear me talk about a cookbook collection for 40 minutes to an hour, lead them to this podcast. I don't know if I could like set their expectations, but I hope that they get something out of it. Also, next week's book is going to be Taste of Home annual recipes from the year 2000 and i hope you guys enjoyed this episode now let's get into the social media plugs want to show your cooking skills want me to look at what cookbooks interest you want to chat or you just want to be updated on the podcast Search and follow the podcast on Facebook. It is called Cook Look Podcast, or you can click the link on my Facebook page in the show notes. Or email me at cooklookpod at gmail.com. That is C-O-O-K-L-O-O-K-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter as Rosemary Coddle. My username is at cookbookpod. Also, I post episodes every single Friday at 6 Eastern. Thank you for listening. Bye!